Mr. Tango has uh, spoken very eloquently. And I wish I could be as forgiving. But I can't because <coughs> this whole thing fucking sucks. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm I'm Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and I'm Elliot Kalen, waiting wow. for Stuart to say his name you know, you know <laughs> so why that I could say it. I was distracted by your head, head, headphones. You know, you know why it's particularly odd that you forgot to say that? Why is that? It's our 100th episode. What a segue. 100 blocks. 100 nights. 100 days to have the time of your life. It's the Flophouse number 100. We watched 100 starring, movies. Yeah. Starring... Uh, Dan McCoy. Uh, oh, Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and Elliot Kalen as Elliot. I mean, we did this part already. But... Oh, right. Well, but I didn't get to do my song yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we're celebrating our 100th episode. It's a big uh, deal. It's yeah. a big deal around these parts. I mean, it would be a big deal if we hadn't also done a bunch of uh, movie minutes. Yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, our technical 100th thing that we put out was a long time ago and also well, i think then also there's some floptaculars some awards <laughs> floptaculars also we've had a lot of guest spots system. so none of only dan you're the only one who's been in all 100 episodes yep. yeah i'm 100 years old guys i don't okay. think 100 that, years that's how old. i don't think that's how it works so here's the 200 see you guys later <laughs> <laughs> was that was that it was that the ending <laughs> Stuart just, just wait. Stuart just put a nightcap on his head. And now he's curling up on a tiny bed <laughs> in a matchbook. <laughs> it is adorable. <laughs> it's really cute. I wish all of you could see it. You kind of need to wake him up for the show. <laughs> Stuart, Stuart. So, I'm assuming most of the people out there are first time listeners. Yeah, and they're like 100 episodes. Of what the fuck do they do in this? Well, episodes? I mean, you know, like there are listeners out there who are like I'm not going to listen to a podcast until it gets to 100 episodes. It has staying power. Yeah, I want to make sure this thing is sticking around. Hundredth episode until that podcast has syndication yeah. potential. I'm not interested. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what you need. 100 episodes. Yeah, right, well, that was, was the old the old standard used to be to get into syndication. It was best to have a hundred episodes because mm-hmm. then you could run it regularly without running the same episodes too many times. Okay. But now, plenty of shows that's, that don't have a hundred episodes end up in syndication. That's yeah, because uh, I think I keep seeing the same episode of Scrubs like every day. <laughs> yeah, well, Scrubs, Big Bang Theory, a lot of newer shows are getting in syndication. Sometimes, like in Las case Vegas, of Big Bang Theory, before the it's show, done, that's Las, Las Vegas, oh yeah, Boomtown, uh, Southland Tales. Uh, that's why uh, Tyler Perry's Southland. podcast uh, went into syndication after a week because they just like churned those fuckers out. Oh, okay. Churned it out, man. So let's get it. Let's get those numbers up. Get get get. Uh, so, get what, the, so what do we do on this podcast? Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all uh, about churning numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a this is a podcast about movies. Okay. Where we watch a movie that is perhaps not good. And but perhaps we, very good. Uh, well, don't get ahead of yourself. Question mark. Question, question mark, question mark. Uh, but then we discuss it after we've uh, spent a little time together. Now, normally we review movies that have been recently released mm-hmm. and are either critical or financial flops. Yes. Usually both. What do we do this time to mark our special occasion, Dan? Uh, we watched a movie that has been much discussed... In previous episodes, uh, but in passing, not in depth. Okay. And that movie is 
Tango ampersand cash. Yeah, that old favorite. Tango space ampersand space cash. Uh, starring everyone's favorite, Sly Stallone and Sylvester Kurt Stallone. Russell. Yeah, yeah. Sly also- the Pie Stallone and <laughs> Kurt the Hurt Russell. And who else? Oh, it's an and all-star Jack cast. Jack the Balance Palance. <laughs> Jack the Palance Hallance. <laughs> There's uh, Terry the Ferry Hatcher. Yeah. Michael J. Hollard Pollard. <laughs> Okay. Who else is Come in this movie? Uh, James James Zadar? Rong Hong, Robert Gabar oh. Zadar, <laughs> Robert Zadar, uh, and uh, Clint the Flint Howard. Oh wow! Changed it up. Changed it up. Changed up the rhyme scheme in the last. Uh... Uh, slightly, yeah. Who so, else is in the movie? Who no, else? You got lots of big not. stars. So the the skies were dark. Where mm-hmm. all the stars were in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, uh, is, it, is that the beginning of George R. R. Martin's <laughs> review? George R. R. Martin's. <laughs> George R. Martin is the character that uh, George R. R. Martin put into his novels after the fact. Mm-hmm. Everybody hates him. He's super racist. <laughs> he does have a long beard, though. Uh, this is a this is a this what is made a us tale of... what made us think Tango and Cash first before we get into what Tango and Cash is about mm. for those few members of the audience who have not yet been lucky enough to experience the pure beautiful perfection that is Tango and Cash spoiler alert what why Tango and Cash Dan well I think that for uh, all of us I think we look at it as the apex of a certain type of 1980s uh, filmmaking yes. Some would say the capstone of mm-hmm. 80s action filmmaking. In fact, I would say that, and I just I think, did. Yeah, you, and you did while we were watching it, like, yeah, four times. I just quoted myself. Yeah, but, I guess uh, saying, ah, the capstone. <laughs> <laughs> they should have called this movie Tango and Capstone. It's a they move. should have gotten Kate Capshaw and Sharon Stone. <laughs> or a capstone, as I call them. Solving crimes. <laughs> getting into boy trouble. Yeah. It's a movie that uh, seems to have been made... Uh, by an alien race of uh, of moviegoers who all they know about police work has come from 1980s movies, and then they decided to make the ultimate version of that. Well, it's this it's weird because this seems to be a movie from before irony had infected filmmaking, because watching it it feels like a like a comedy about over the top action movies, but it is not. Well, I mean, a, like it's a comedy action movie, yeah, but, the thing, like, the but weird it's thing not is meant it, to be a joke on action movies. Yeah. It is supposed to be funny, but it's supposed to be funny in like the one-liners, the, the are banter funny. that they're going back and forth, or the fact that Kurt Russell dresses up like a lady at one point. Yeah, but what's Hilarious. actually funny about it <laughs> is how over the top the action cliches are, and how unfunny the banter is. But everything about like the music is super eighties, the acting is super eighties, the way it looks, the way it moves, the editing, the story, the dialogue, mm-hmm. everything about it is like. All the worst things about 1980s movies put together, and they mesh so well together, you know. Stuart? I'm just thinking about Tango and Cash. <laughs> so should we go over what the yeah, movie's let's, about? Uh, let's, let's spin a tale. Yeah, so imagine you've never seen Tango and Cash. Elliot's now going to tell you about it. Okay. Imagine it's uh, a million years in the future, and, uh, the tang- and the or, most important movie ever made has been passed down or in oral 20, history. Or 23 years in the past <laughs> when Tango and Cash actually came out. No, no, no. I'm saying like you're, you're, the, through the years, Tango and Cash has been uh, told from person to person. Oh, yes. And oh, now so it's Elliot's an oral, sto- to... oral storytelling thing. Yeah. Well, here's – you ask me why the stars are in the sky and weather happens. Here's a story that I think might explain it. I like it. Thousands of years We're ago – We're younglings, I'm assuming, at this point. You're younglings. Dan is an old-for-his-ageling. Sure. Uh, but you're a regular <laughs> youngling. Uh, so we open – it's a, a road outside of Los Angeles where 
police dynamo, Ray Tango, Sylvester Stallone, uh, who you know is kind of a business-like professional type because he wears a three-piece suit and glasses, Mm -hmm. uh, is driving his car. He is interrupting or continuing the chase of a gasoline truck that he thinks is up to some nefarious business. Uh, the truck is being driven by Robert Zadar. Whom, so it's, he, he's a villain. Yeah, he's his, the man you may know as having a huge face from such movies as Maniac <laughs> Cop and Soul Taker. Uh, and Sylvester Stallone is told, back off from that truck. We're out of our jurisdiction. And he says, no, I've been on this case for three months or something like that. Uh, he drives in front of the truck, then gets out of his car and starts standing – just stands in the path of this huge tanker truck shooting his gun into the windshield. Shooting his revolver into the windshield. Yeah, we put special bullets in it, though. I mean, I don't. I still don't think. They I don't think seem that, to have any. I don't think they are special. Bullets. I don't think. I mean, like, it but seems, he emptied out his gun and put in special. I think he just for the power that he needs. It seems like his barrel length, at least, we should be larger. Well, he's know? got what? like a, he's he shoots like a snub nose. Yeah, like he doesn't. Gun. Okay, anyway, especially a movie where later on they're all firing giant ass guns. <laughs> well, they have to build up to the guns. Oh, you start okay. at ten, you got nowhere left to go. Yeah. You start at two, and then you work your way up to ten guns. Yeah, because if he brought out a huge gun, later on people would be like, Seen why is he not just using that big gun again? <laughs> exactly. Uh, he uh, he forces the truck to stop just short of killing him, and the two bad guys driving it fly through the windshield and land at his feet. There's some little homophobic banter between the two of them. Uh, the sheriff's department comes over. This is just a normal gasoline truck. What are you doing here, asshole? I need your badge number. And he says uh, something pithy, and then he shoots the tanker and... I guess cocaine falls out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, look, it's snowing. And it turns out it's drugs. You yeah. want to get high? Yeah. Yep. His, his, his uh, pithy quip is, anyone want to get high? Ray Tango has done it again. Mm-hmm. He stopped another huge drug load. And then Jack Pounce drives by because apparently – He personally supervises his drug the, trans- yeah, transporting. Yeah, the evil kingpin uh, always just, you know – you know, just drives a little bit behind the trucks, keeping an eye on them. And he's got his sure. two uh, hench, hench goons. His two hench goons, James Hong and another actor who I don't know his name. Uh, you may remember James Hong as Lopan from Big Trouble in Little China. Or if, I mean, you, saw, if you saw The Day, Day the Earth Stood Still, the new one, he's the old Chinese man who talks to Keanu Reeves. Uh, he's Tia Carrera's father in Wayne's World 2. He is in a ton of movies. He's really he's, great. He's basically just Lopan. Lopan is the most important thing. You to take may remember him as president of the Asian American Actors Association. No, Lopan. Uh, he's also played Lopan. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Jack Palance is very unhappy. Ray Tango has been a thorn in his side yeah. for a long time. And he's also mad at a man named Gabriel Cash, who we haven't met yet. Mm-hmm. Cut to... Right? I don't remember. Well, you know, yeah, I don't yeah, remember cuts, the order. It cuts to the it introduction to, of Gabriel Cash. Gabriel Cash is a sloppy kind of hot dog. Hot dog and although the fact Sylvester Stallone doesn't like doesn't like Kurt Russell because he's a hot dog. Sylvester Stallone did stand in the pathway no, of a tanker the exact truck. Same character. And fire one into of them the wears a suit and the other one wears a wife beater, and that's what's different about them. No, Dan. What differentiates <laughs> them is their ideologies okay. and their ethics. So Gabriel Cash, not a, <laughs> Gabriel Cash, is uh, coming home from grocery shopping. Uh, he's just kind of a slobby, ordinary guy. Mm-hmm. He looks in the mirror on his wall. Suddenly, an Asian guy with a gun smashes through and it. a flat top. And a flat top, yeah. And shoots at him, hits him in his bulletproof vest. Gabriel Cash shoots the, shoots the would-be assassin with uh, a gun hidden in the sole of his boot. So when he points the sole of his feet at people, he can shoot them with it. Makes uh, sense to me. The two of them yeah. get into a chase. Very dangerous when he crosses his legs. 
Yeah, he's not a good. That's what originally happened in that scene from Basic Instinct, <laughs> right. when uh, Kurt Russell was playing the Sharon Stone part. <laughs> I'm glad they recast that. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're both sexy people, but uh, it just seems a little weirder with him in that role. It was, I mean, it, they raised a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, about sexuality, about your sexuality. Well, why is everyone treating him like he's a beautiful woman? <laughs> right. That was the main question. Yeah. Why does Newman from Seinfeld uh, find him so, so so attractive? Yeah. So anyway, there's a big chase sequence. I mean, he's got really great hair, though. I mean, mm-hmm. we can Better. agree to that. Yeah. They have a car chase. He's in good shape. Uh, that involves – they're in a parking garage. They almost hit a homeless person with a, a uh, supermarket shopping cart full of cans. Yeah. A Russian guy packing boxes into his car for some reason. Yep. And two people having Probably sex in the backseat of a car. <laughs> compact discs. Yeah, toilet paper. Well, Walkman. This is 1989. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so he yeah he destroys a bunch of uh, cars uh, to get this guy. Uh, there's a there's a complete uh, you know like a like a fucking gumball destruction rally in this. Uh, okay. This thing. It it's takes hard, the guy in. It's hard to really describe how great it is. Yeah. A lot of cars smashing into each other over and over again. Neon lights exploding. Two totally naked people in the backseat of a car having sex because mm-hmm. I guess they were driving around nude and decided to park in the parking garage and have sex there. Who knows? Anyway. It gets hot out in the sun in L.A. Back at the police station, Ray Tango has a talk with a woman played by Terry Hatcher who – they both care about each other. Mm-hmm. And Kurt Russell in a kind of locker room slash men's bathroom slash interrogation room, uh, he beats up – the assassin to find out who the assassin's boss was. Um, long story short, Tango and Cash both get set up. They get sent mm-hmm. to a spooky house slash steam factory slash abandoned apartment building. Like a, like a spooky mansion that they have to spend the night in to get their yeah. inheritance. Not or? exactly, but it's like you know the place that um, that the toy maker lives in Blade Runner. Uh, it's yeah. kind of an abandoned building full of smoke. Okay. It was basically one of those. They go there and they find a federal agent killed and drugs and money all over the place. And they're being recorded. Something doesn't make sense. They're arrested. Police come in. Oh, no. Tango and Cash have been set up by the bad guys to look like they're a bunch of major league drug dealers. Dirty cops. To make them look like dirty cops. I do like that when the cops bust them, uh, they you know they have their guns on Tango and Cash, who have been all over the newspaper. Like the, they they're so famous that, that they day's don't even newspaper, need... both Tango and Cash appear on the front page, and they're in only different known stories. by their last names. They're so famous, it could just say Cash makes another bust. Yeah, everyone knows what that means. Cash was below the fold, though, so I guess Tango uh, beat him on that one. Yeah, no, no, Tango is the number one cop. Yeah. But they, these, they should be recognized by the police officers. These police are two, don't seem to recognize them. Two most famous police officers in the city. I'd say in the country. Cops, can, you name, world. can you name one police officer? Uh, police Commissioner Ray Kelly. Okay. Well, he's a police commissioner. That's the, right. Can you name a regular cop? He could be a detective, plain, uh, plain clothes. I mean, I do, um, I do, but he's a personal friend. I don't know. Yeah, him for that doesn't being a count. No, like it doesn't uh, count if it's someone you know personally. Commissioner Gordon. Oh yes, he's also a commissioner. Also commissioner and fictional. Okay, uh, I guess. I no. bet if you look around, there's a commissioner named Gordon somewhere, <laughs> and he's always making jokes. Well, there's about certainly it. a fisherman named Gordon. So, <laughs> yeah, he does good work. <laughs> yeah, with that, even just that yellow slicker <laughs> catching fish. A lot fish. of fish. Yeah, and he does it single-handed because he doesn't believe in unions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so the two of them have been set up. They go sure. to trial, and for some reason they decide to plea bargain, even though they know they're innocent. Uh, they plea bargain to get a minimum sentence at a minimum security prison. 
Well, so it's okay. looking pretty bad for them. I mean, there's you know, there's it's, a doctored tape that implicates them. There's uh, some other bullshit. You know, <laughs> they aren't going to get off. And they got they got to take the they got to cop a plea. Yeah, 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 they need to take the years. Yeah, so Jack Palance... Do the crime, do the time, you know what <laughs> I mean? But they didn't do the crime. Oh, okay. Jack Palance has set this all up. They think they're going to go to a minimum security prison. Then suddenly they get delivered to the most maximum security of prisons. Yeah, it's like a hellscape. It literally is. They're walking down the hallway to their cells, and there's literally people throwing fire at them. After a nice shower break between the two of them. Oh, yeah, the two of them have a shower where they talk about... Each other's penis size and mm-hmm. how they hate each other. I think they turn all the faucets on, all the uh, spigots. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All of the all of the shower heads are spraying around. Them. Is that to make sure they don't get recorded? Is that what we're trying to think? Or I think that's like, because it looks better. They just want like a real massage. Like they want to. Oh like, yeah. A, There's a lot. A they, well, you want to be able to walk around and still have water on your yeah. body. It gets cold if you have only Ray one. Ray Tango likes to take what he calls pacing showers, <laughs> where he walks back and forth under multiple well, he shower thinks heads. better when he's showering, and he also thinks better when he's in motion. So yeah. both of those things together. Like, if you're set up by the uh, crooked crooked cops, you know, you got to get you got to be at 100% with your mental powers. you got to figure that shit out. I mean, I don't think he was actually set up by the crooked cops, though. I it thought was he was set up, set up by, by Jack, Jack Palance, the drug, di- the drug kingpin. Look, and the, uh, the crooked officials were all FBI, I think. No, because the prison guys are all crooked, too. Oh, yeah. The, the prison board is crooked. The best, best guards money can buy. Yeah, this yeah. prison hellscape that they sent you, everyone appears to be uh, a bad guy. Even the, like, the guards, the prisoners, everyone seems to be evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, they each have trouble with their cellmates. Kurt Russell's is a big, tough guy who won't let him use the toilet. Sylvester Stallone's is Clint Howard playing the role of Slinky, a crazy guy who's always making noise with his Slinky. Yeah. So Sylvester Stallone beats him up. Uh, in the middle of the night, our two heroes pulled out of their cells and taken down to the laundry basement mm-hmm. where they are beaten up and tortured and almost electrocuted to death. And then yeah. also Jack Palance steps out of the shadows for no purpose other with than his, to introduce with his himself. Goon, with his and his main goon. goon. He has a cockney goon with a terrible English accent who says a lot of stuff like, Hey, governor, what's all? Well, I'll do- send you for a toss. You're all right, bird. I know you're probably thinking he's played by Clive Owen. He no. is not. That is a great Clive <laughs> Owen impression. <laughs> yeah. I wish the guy in the movie was as good. But no, I, I have to say, though, like, at, that po- at that point in the movie, Tango and Cash have no idea who set them up. They don't even know that Jack Pounce exists. Yeah. So the fact that Jack Pounce just drops by well, to be like, hey, guys. There's been a scene before that where uh, – uh, t- where t- Cash seems to think seems to know who did it because Jack Pounce is Lopez, right? No, or is he Perez? His name is no. His name is Eve Perrette. I don't know. They say Perrette, but sometimes it sounds like Perez. <laughs> he they- said Lo- he th- he thought it was Lopez, it's- one of Perrette's goons that mm-hmm. isn't. Lopan. Oh, okay. I got mixed up. Eve Lopan Lopez Perrette. Well, but then his he's name right. Is- but then he knows who did Eve it because he was set up by Jack Pounce's goons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. But he doesn't. But they aren't aware of who the, like, of the this man shadowy the puppet. Is. That's puppet true. Master. They have no idea. And that's the, the thing when he when you're a game master like that, you need to show the the mice that yeah. you're running through hoops. You need to show them who's boss. <laughs> you mean maze? <laughs> yeah, whatever. There is Jack Palance oh, does have mice. does have two pet mice that he kisses and caresses, and he puts them in a maze in the bar top of his office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he likes to say, "Tango Cash in the maze." Running together, 
well, Tango and Cash, Cash and Tango. He like it it's becomes. Like he had to build a fucking diorama to explain people. <laughs> his, his goons are not very smart. No, well, and in, and in Palance's one of them hands, dies because he doesn't take the safety off his Uzi later on. And Jack Palance, right. the way he says it, it sounds it's just becomes slammed to poetry after a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tango through the cash of your tangos. So uh, they're in this laundry basement with steam all over the place. They mm-hmm. almost get electrocuted. They're being attacked. Robert Zadar, big face, is just laughing his big face off. Yeah. Uh, That's a lot of laughing. And then suddenly they're being electrocuted one after the other. Uh, and then suddenly the guards rush in, right, and save them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, Jack Balance and his, and his cockney <laughs> crony disappear into the mist. <laughs> they escape basically just by stepping behind laundry machines and disappearing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, like that's why you have your uh, your big uh, brawl in like a laundry room. You don't need smoke bombs there. There's just so much steam yeah. Yeah. from the laundry machines. Just a natural product of a late night laundry yeah. room. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the original title for Midnight Meat Train. It's late night laundry room. Didn't go over too well. No, neither did Bradley Midnight Cooper Meat Train. Vetoed it. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun? Would it be scarier if it was on a train and it was you know a train full of meat at midnight? Yeah, okay, that's yeah, okay. So then they talk about some other bullshit. They meet Cash's they, friend. They meet Cash's friend, the assistant warden, who's going to help them escape. Cash Tango says, "I'm they not going to." Haven't even gotten out of prison yet, and it's been for we've been talking about this forever. Yeah, well, we they... want to go over every intricate element of Tango and Cash, don't we? Okay, well, we'll, I, we'll go through it a little faster. Tango doesn't doesn't trust this guy. Cash does. Cash tries to escape. He gets caught. A bunch of the evil guards, being led by Robert Zadar, big face. Chase after him through huge turbines, and this is a prison that has all these things that it doesn't make sense why a prison would have them, yeah. such as huge turbine rooms. Well, this is another example of this movie being made by people who have only seen movies. They're like, oh, it would be cool if a prison had a big, like, fucking fan in it They're that like, they had to go through. let's have an escape through a building. Okay, well, mm-hmm. what do buildings have in them so we can build this escape? Mm-hmm. Well, we know from the movies we've seen that buildings have giant turbines. Mm-hmm. They have big basements full of steam and not that much else. Uh, they've got tunnels, tunnels, got tunnels all over with, the like, place. Water dri- dripping through it. It's always raining in buildings mm-hmm. all the time. There's Some kind of a zip line. Electric power lines that you can zip line across. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so uh, short story, long story short, they escape in the escape attempt. They get beat up a lot, uh, and Robert Zadar is electrocuted at, while attacking Sylvester Stallone with a grappling hook. Yep, but which they he got es- somewhere. <laughs> he does not come back to life like Ernest, and Ernest goes to jail. He doesn't. He doesn't get electricity powers. You're saying and he does not. He just gra- he gets electrocuted and dies like a normal human being. He doesn't turn into like the electric gremlin from Gremlins Two and get stuck in a phone. Nope, he's just a dead hunk of meat. He doesn't get brought back to life by the electricity to be super alive. I mean, he, that actually might happen, but they don't. They don't. It's not that. like in. What about the movie Shocker? Is there anything like that? Uh, you mean the start of a failed horror franchise? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, it is. is they it actually like tried to push in Friday the Thirteenth when Jason has that pole in his chest and the lightning hits it and it brings him back to life. Um, yeah, I mean, once again, that might happen, but it happens off <laughs> off camera. Okay, so you know, when I write my the Jaw fan fiction because the character is called the Jaw, I'll uh, I'll just, maybe I'll bring that's how I'll bring him back. Yeah, I mean, of course, he's gonna come back. He blasts his way out of the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and his last line as he dies is Tango, <laughs> which is great. So anyway, they escape. They're running through the streets of L.A. They don't know what to do. Uh, Cash goes to meet up with Tango's. Turns out to be his sister, Terry Hatcher, who dances at the Cleopatra Club mm-hmm. to escape. Also in front of a giant fan. Yes. Also, <laughs> it's like the set for SNL for the <laughs> musical guests, like used to be. Uh, 
And to escape from there, Kurt Russell has to briefly walk through a dressing room full of topless women, then dress like a woman and get out. Uh, he's almost stopped by a horny cop who is distracted by Terry Hatcher and then comes on to Kurt Russell. Uh, meanwhile, Sylvester Stallone goes to the head of the police or something. Like no, one, of, one of the crooked cops who's high up in the force. Uh, he has the best line of the entire movie, in my opinion, which is the crooked cops pull in some cold spaghetti out of a bowl of cold pasta out of the refrigerator. Closes yeah, for the fr- a nosh or something. <laughs> yeah. Closes the fridge door. Stallone's right there with a gun. And he says, well, it's clear from your diet you're not counting your calories. You must be too busy counting the money they paid you to set us up. Mm-hmm. Beautifully written, beautifully delivered. So <laughs> uh, Stallone learns a little bit from him before that guy blows up. Then Tango and Cash meet up again at Terry Hatcher's house. Uh, their old boss, who believes in them. In the meantime, Cash has gone to uh, the guy who, uh, who who assembled the fake tape. Oh right, and yeah. uh, and got the, the nerdy to, sound engineer. Yeah, yeah. gotten him to confess. So there has been a little actual police work that occurred. There, there was a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the two of them, their old boss comes by and says, I trust you guys. I'll give you 24 hours to solve this case. Figure out who framed you. Mm-hmm. And, of Should course... Should have just done that to begin with. The, I mean, come on. Yeah, basically. But the first step after that, of course, the most, the obvious step is to go to the LAPD's super weapons lab mm-hmm. and meet up with Michael J. Pollard as the retarded weapons genius. Yeah, I don't know, if, you go, I don't know if listeners realize this, but every major metropolitan area... <laughs> Has a weapons genius, like sort of a Q figure. Yeah, yeah. experimental weapons Who invents things like, uh, say, a robot Doberman uh, that, shoots, that shoots out of its head. Um, uh, what does he also have? He has, he Well, he makes for them a supercar, mm-hmm. but he also has some big guns. Um, and a fucking giant magnifying glass. I think yeah. that's about it, <laughs> he though. Al- he always has a giant magnifying glass in front of his face. I think he invented – he might have invented steampunk. Yeah, like with that magnifying glass. It's attached I mean, 1989 to is pretty old, so yeah. it's pretty early. Well, back then it was just regular. It was just what, steampunk right? is all about the past. So 1989, right. that was back when people still wore corsets, yeah. top hats, mm-hmm. goggles. When Jules Verne was writing, you know, his most famous works, like Bonfire of the Vanities in yeah. space. Yep. <laughs> Spacefire, <of the> <laughs> Spacefire of the of the vanities on the moon, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. around the Gremlins in 80 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the book Gremlins. <laughs> Do movie novelizations count as books? Is that a well, bestseller yeah. of the eighties? Sure. I mean, they still count as books. It's not like they're not full of words and stuff. Yeah, that's true. His big hit, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the He Man. I wrote at least one book report on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie uh, adaptation. There's way more stuff in that book by Alan Dean Foster. <laughs> Could have been. He, he does write a lot of those. Uh, anyway, so uh, they get a supercar with a big machine gun on it. Of course, from which was the last piece of the puzzle. <laughs> they needed to put this thing to bed, and they go to the super compound of the drug kingpin, which is an abandoned Army Air Force base, uh, which now I guess a drug kingpin owns, and it's huge, and he has all these giant construction monster vehicles. Yeah, it's like a giant quarry. Yeah, it is a quarry, basically. Yeah. And uh, there's a big car chase, explosions, the supervan gets all screwed up, uh, and they run through the place there's shooting lots of people. a lot of shots of, of the supervan riding around and then explosions happening to the sides while Jack Palance is watching on his monitor and, like, going, yeah, Or like, no. ooh, mm-hmm. just get him, R, gosh. They get into the big gun room, <laughs> take some guns, <laughs> Kashi, <laughs> and Rango, <laughs> yep. dodge Durango. <laughs> 
Casey Stengel. <laughs> Jack, can you do it again? Uh, I think you're drifting. I think. <laughs> no, no, that's good stuff. Rash and mango. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll fix it in post. Uh, they go to the go into the hideout and. It turns out Jack Palance has kidnapped Terry Hatcher sure. and then pushes the self-destruct button for the building mm-hmm. because most buildings have those. Yeah. Uh, they have 11 minutes to get up there, <clears throat> kill the bad guy, get Terry Hatcher back. And they go up there. There's a lot of fighting, shooting. People get shot, explosions. A uh, new henchman gets introduced who only kicks. Yeah, he's a super yeah. kick fighter. He fights Sylvester Stallone while Kurt Russell fights the Cockney English guy. He also he, mo- he mostly does like those downward kicks. It's mostly him like leaping up in the air yeah, like and kicking kick. down. Yeah. yeah. Through which a lot he, of which he mainly uses to destroy glass shelves with crystal on them. <laughs> because Jack Palance loves glass. Yeah. He loves glass, crystal, easily breakable things. This is all in his office, by the way. Um the Kurt Russell blows up the English guy with a grenade, yep. which is a callback to an earlier scene when Sylvester Stallone threatens the English guy with a grenade. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sylvester Stallone During beats some up – bad cop, worst cop interrogation. They call it bad cop, worst cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are up – uh-oh, Jack they, – they fight. They kill James Hong and the other guy. Sure. They've already done that. Jack Pounce is the only one left. Uh-oh, door slides open. Of course, if this is an executive office. This is the president yeah. of the company. Of course, he's going to have a hall of mirrors right next to his desk. Yeah, yeah. behind gotta, the sliding door. It's standard, you know. Like you got to keep up appearances. Like every CEO has a hall of mirrors right next to their. When you office. run a company, here are the things you can you gotta, expect standard in your office: yeah. a comfortable leather chair, mm-hmm. a couch everyone's afraid to sit on, some of those, your own uh, bathroom, some of those pendulum balls, on pendulum your desk. ball desk toy, mm-hmm. your own bathroom, shelves of fine crystal. And a maze in the desk in the bar top that you put your m- yeah, mice course. in, and a mirror room. Yeah, yeah, hall of mirrors. Now, so a real like a, like a yeah, a maze, a mirror maze. So and he has he's got Terry Hatcher in there with a and, gun to her head, and they're wondering which one of those do do I shoot? Well, luckily, while Jack Palance is just giving this <laughs> endless monologue, he he <laughs> rambles on to the point that. Tangle Cash start talking to each other, and you just hear Jack Palance talking in the background. <laughs> you can't make out what he's saying. This is the final soliloquy speech given by the main bad guy. Even the heroes are not interested in listening to it. They quickly decide, and then both of them shoot him in the head. Yeah, mm-hmm. because they've instantly found – how did you know? Oh, the monogram on his shirt was backwards. What about – oh, but the ring was on the wrong hand. That's how they yeah. knew which one to shoot. And there's 20 seconds left on the bomb, and, and during that time, they somehow – Run downstairs, run outside, run far enough away from the building that they aren't injured by the blast when it self-destructs. But mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. They, they Look, they were framed, and there's yeah. a lot of evidence that proves that they, proves their guilt. Right, and the one thing that, that disproves it is this one tape that they got from the guy after he threatened him. But they did go to a place, uh-huh. they killed a bunch of people, uh-huh. and they blew up a building. Right, mm-hmm. So of course, exonerated. So of yeah. course, they they slap five. They they give a high five and immediately cuts to them giving a high five. Front cover of the newspaper: Heroes again. Tango and Cash back on the force. Uh, End of the movie. I mean, wouldn't they get? Didn't they get like arrested for breaking out of jail? Nope. Uh, I mean, what about exonerated. like killing all those people while nope. they weren't active duty police officers? No? Nope. Nope. None of that. None of that. They're uh, probably bad guys. They, yeah. Just property damage, murder, escaping from jail. None of the the original murder that they were found that they pled guilty to. Right. None of those things matter anymore. Tango okay. Cash. Yeah, they 
that's not double jeopardy, right? <laughs> well, no, because no, it's two different crimes. Oh, okay. That's why it's not double. No, double jeopardy doesn't mean you can never be convicted of any crime ever again once you've been con- convicted. But they admitted their guilt. Well, they pled guilty. They didn't admit their guilt. Oh, okay. So, uh, I, like, the summary of the plot doesn't totally get across how amazing and stupid this movie is. Well, what about this quote? Uh, when the thing blows up, uh, when Stallone goes... Which thing? A lot of things blow up. <laughs> the compound yeah. at the end, when, and then Stallone goes, there's a lot of new pollution in the air tonight, and its name is Perrette. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How about that? Did I get it across, maybe? It's pretty great. <laughs> there's a lot, I'm trying to remember any of the other really good where, uh, when Kurt Russell first goes into the Cleopatra Club after paying his $5 admission <laughs> there's, fee. There's a shot that there's no reason not to cut that. It shows him walk up to the exterior of the Cleopatra Club, shows him walk in, and the maid goes, hey, $5 cover. Yeah, sure. Hands him $5, walks in. There isn't even like a, not a quip. He doesn't push past the guy. Like, there's no reason to show that. So he, he enters the Cleopatra Club just to see the end of an act where the dancer is riding a motorcycle <laughs> off of the stage. <laughs> Everything there's like oh sorry you were saying just before Terry Hatcher comes out and does some kind of sensual dance that features electronic drums, yeah. uh, where she takes uh, a pair of drumsticks and plays uh, kind of arrhythmically to the song, and she strips off her jacket. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna to, to the point of her stripping off her jacket. I was gonna ask, is this the gayest? Action film. Yes. Because, yes. Uh, and yes. <laughs> it is a love story between two men that includes um, a shower scene uh, between both of them. And we do get to see um, both of their butts. Yeah. There's a lot of them being wet uh, yeah. together. It's there's, constantly it's constantly raining in the prison and everyone's yeah. sweaty all the time. There's a sort of bondagey scene where they're both like chained up next to each other. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and they sort of like sacrifice each other, themselves for each other. Uh, and their, and, the, and like their, the main... their electricity acting was not unlike some kind of erotic climax. Yeah, yeah and there's the part where Kurt Russell blows Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> there is that, <laughs> but also like the main like uh, like love interest, if you can call it that, is Terry Hatcher as Sylvester Stallone's uh, sister, who is I, like a dancer in like a club that I guess you're supposed to think is sort of like this sexy club, I mean, but she's sexy. dancing fully clothed. <laughs> you know, it's that flash dance sort of thing where she's yeah. like. I don't really understand why this exists. <laughs> well, uh, there's so well the drinks are delicious. There okay. are. I will say there are a couple boobs in the in the movie, mm-hmm. but Sylvester Stallone has no love interest. Yeah, Kurt Russell's love interest. He doesn't seem oh, yeah, that Kurt Russell interested dresses in. Dresses up in drag, at one and he dresses up in drag, and it is the most comfortable Kurt Russell looks the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. Like you, oh, you get the you get the feeling like when the movie is over, uh, yeah. J- Gabriel Cash is going to put on those those stockings again. <laughs> Why, what? Uh, yeah, like <laughs> Terry Hatcher's character's like, why do you, why do you still have these? Oh, oh, oh yeah, I've been meaning to throw those out. <laughs> oh, you know, memories, uh, uh, memories. Why, why, that time. Why don't I just do that for you? Like, no, 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 I'll, no, get, no I'll, I'll do it, it later. I'm gonna do another deep, deep cover thing. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, undercover? Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, it's down by the docks. Uh, so that's pretty down great. by there. Yeah, it's everything in the movie is also as big and stupid as possible. Like Kurt Russell, the first time we see him running around with a gun, it's a handgun, but it's got this enormous laser sight on it. <laughs> yeah. It's like twice the size of the rest of the gun, and it is hilarious. And then eventually they upgrade to Uzis because in the eighties everybody had Uzis. They upgrade to Uzis and then to these sort of super machine guns. Yeah, that don't look like anything that I've I've seen before in a movie. Or in my time in the military. <laughs> okay. They look like something that, like, time cops would have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Time guns that turn you into babies when you shoot them. <laughs> when you do a good job at them. It's a powerful weapon. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, this puts like a cap on a certain style of like a filmmaking. Like like the decade before, like this puts a cap on it in the same way that like Bad Boys Two then puts a cap <laughs> on like the next decade or so of uh, action filmmaking. Also, the music in this movie is done by was it the same guy who did uh, this? Harold Falt- Faltermeyer? I think is this the guy's name. He's the guy who did Axel F for. Uh, Beverly, Beverly Hills, Hills Cop, and it sounds like someone was like, "Get us kind of an off-brand Beverly Hills Cop song," but through the whole movie, yeah. And the, you know, it's... and it just caught fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody's humming that Tango and Cash tune. <laughs> yeah. yeah, how does it go again? It's a crossover hit. <laughs> no, wait, that's not it. That's close. <laughs> close enough. Uh, there's a ton of stupid one-liners. The characters never talk, act, or. Or uh, think like real people ever would. Uh, every line's a quip. Every line's a quip. Characters have whole conversations that make no sense, and afterwards you're like, "Wait, what?" One of Kurt <laughs> Russell's best moments is he's walking into the the police station, and a guy with a pizza box is passing by, and he goes, "Hey!" and grabs a slice of pizza. <laughs> this is its Gabriel own shot. Gabriel Cash loves pizza. <laughs> yeah, and he plays by his own rules. He plays by his own pizza rules. <laughs> He doesn't care what that pizza's for. There's the great moment early on where uh, Ray Tango's boss is talking to him and asks him, why are you a police because officer? You're rich. What? You dress like a banker. Why are you a cop? Which us, the audience, is probably thinking, mm-hmm. right? The reason is because of the action and adventure. Yeah. Not some kind of sense of civic duty, which no. would have endeared him to the audience. It does, he doesn't say, like, to keep the streets safe or, like, my parents were killed or something like that. He goes, yeah, like a Batman. The action. The action. <laughs> like a Batman. Yeah, yeah. One of the many Batman. <laughs> like a Batman might do. Yeah. But the uh, or like um, wh- there's multiple mo- po- points where Jack Pounce's henchmen go, "Why don't we just kill them?" <laughs> and Jack Pounce goes, "No, no, we've got to do it this yeah. way." Because no, you don't idiots. <laughs> You don't understand. Killing them would only make them stronger. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, they're, they're, part, not, they're not Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> now do you see why I don't kill them? And the henchmen are like, no. <laughs> not really. <laughs> we had them. We would never have to worry about them ever again. <laughs> then they would become martyrs to the police. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> then, yeah. they'd, then they'd be faced with an entire precinct full of tangos and caches. Of tangos and caches, yeah. A bunch of hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Nobody's doing paperwork. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> mm, a bunch of hot dogs. Everybody's stealing pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no pizza would be safe around the police station. Oh man! <clears throat> when I was, I remember when I was a kid. I didn't see this movie when it first came out because I was like, like eight not in years the theater, old. or I didn't see the. Th- I only I saw it like probably around the time I was eleven or twelve, like a couple years after it came out. Okay. And I remember, but I do remember seeing like the commercials, and for those couple of years, knowing that like. Tangled Cash was supposed to be like this tough action movie, and in my head, I imagined it being like the roughest, most brutal, like grittiest, violent action movie. Like there was no more serious action movie than Tango and Cash. The same way that like when The Last Boy Scout came out, I didn't see that for years, and I assumed that was like this super tough, like gritty I mean, movie. It's super gritty though. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Like when I was a kid, I don't think I realized that there were some action movies that were incredibly stupid and, and okay. over the top. I thought that like. Like the movie Over the Top. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm not supposed to take The Last Boy Scout seriously? I think you I think you are. I mean, there's a lot of Uzis in it, as I've already mentioned. <laughs> there's a part a lot where, of swear words. Uh, I think he had a record for a while for most yeah, swear words. Yeah, I think words. so. The guy says, uh, what was he? He's like talking about something. He's like, he, I forget like what he's talking about. But he goes, the kind that shred. And he throws like bullets into the fireplace. 
and it's like supposed to be like this code word for them, but there's, it doesn't mean anything. Like it only yep. means something if he's talking about bullets that are going to explode in the fireplace <laughs> in a second. Well, that's like there's a part in this movie where uh, they're up against Robert Zadar, and mm-hmm. uh, they're surrounded by bad guys, and Sylvester Stallone's like. The Robert Star is like, they, this guy broke my jaw. He broke my legs. And Carlos goes, you broke that guy's jaw? And he goes, yeah, I did. Why? Because I was having a real bad day. And Carlos goes, a bad day like this? He goes, yeah, that's right. And the two of them punch Robert Zadar together, mm-hmm. perfectly timed. And it's yeah. like, this is not a bit that they knew. Like, this is – they immediately – famous punching bit. It, it some immediately, kind of, some s- kind of cop instincts, dude. Speaking in code, they made up a code and then acted on it. Cop, cop instincts plus pheromones. It's like, there's a lot of pheromones. Yeah, there. that's true. It's very sweaty. It's my, one of my favorite stupid things in a movie or a TV show is when the two heroes are surrounded by bad guys – and the heroes go start fake arguing with each other, and one of them pushes the other into the bad guys, and that's how they wrestle the guns out of their hands. Because one, because who's gonna fall for that? Like <laughs> it's the stupidest ploy, but it always works in TV and the movies. Yeah, this is the sort of thing that will immediately get broken up by the person with the gun. Yeah, like, like hey, bang. The you thing know. is, you got these <laughs> wow, two guys. That's really eloquent the way you just put that down. <laughs> well, you got two actors like uh, like Stallone and and Russell, Russell who are just chewing that scenery. Like, of course you're going to drop your guard because you're kind of in awe. Well, I got to say, I mean, <laughs> you just so you just want to see the show so badly. This yeah. movie uh, did renew my, you know, like I'm a Kurt Russell fan, yeah. and it just it just reinforced that because there's some Dan's really stupid stuff in this movie that. Damned if Kurt Russell doesn't actually make it work on its intended level. And what's strange is that Patrick Swayze was originally supposed to play the Kurt Russell part and dropped out, I think, because it was such a dumb movie. Yeah. Uh, And Kurt Russell's way better than Patrick Swayze would have been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing they have in common is hair. Yeah, and they're both super buff. Yeah. They got hot bods. Mm Mm-hmm. Real hot bods. But Kurt Russell, (laughs) but Kurt Russell is able to bring the same comedy chops that he took from the computer wore tennis shoes, and the same action shop chops from the thing, and combine them into one whole. Sort of like a Superman. No, that's Christopher Reeve. All right. Or Dean Cain. Yeah, but But not not, Brandon Routh, and not Dean Koontz. No, and (laughs) Dean Koontz or George Reeve. What? Oh, but the man, the man had a tragic life. Come on, give it to him. I don't understand why. <laughs> Give Superman to him. No, no, I said it was Superman. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought they said not him. No, no, not him. This, he's no, ah, forget it. All right. But yeah, Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell definitely puts more into the movie and actually manages to sell some of the lines. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't sell them well, but he sells I'll, them. I'll, I'll buy them. That's <laughs> all what I'm saying. Yeah. Stuart wants, what, Stuart like wants to bucks? buy. I mean, you Stuart walk to the store wanting he to be not, sold. Yeah, he doesn't need to be motivated. He doesn't need the hard sell. It's just like this is the kind of – every time we watch a Flophouse movie, I'm hoping it's going to be this type of movie. Yeah. And then it turns out to be like 10,000 BC or Whiteout, and it's just so disappointing because I know there's another Tango and Cash out there. There's got to be. Mm-hmm. We'll keep Somewhere looking. Maybe Maybe in, in the next 100 episodes we'll find – Oh, I hope so. Moonlight. Did you become Irish? <laughs> or well, or a mouse? It's a mouse. Well, right? that was from uh, Five Head Goes West, right? Was. <laughs> yep. uh, I just want to say one more thing. Tango and Cash is beautiful in its stupidity. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was gonna say we, I think we don't need we don't we can skip our uh, our judgments on this because I think we are all in agreement that this is the best movie ever made ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like Twelve Rounds was is close. Is, it's is, about get, as close, close as someone gets, but it's still Twelve Rounds is still not as good as Twelve. Like Tangle Cash is so the thing that it is, whereas yeah. Twelve Rounds is not as not as seamlessly stupid. Yeah, it's stupid, but not as not as beautiful. That's perfectly yeah. so. Tangle Cash does not have a brain in its head. Twelve rounds has like maybe like a like an eighteenth of a brain. Yeah, what Tangle and Cash feels like to me is it feels like a movie made by children, <laughs> and that's that's just making up a story. Making up a story as they go along, they have no idea how life works, and they're so excited about doing it. There's so much joy that comes through in how dumb it is. So, um, and there's a lot fewer of John Santa just pointing his gun at black people in this movie, <laughs> which is a little makes me uneasy. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so, uh, before we get on to our mailbag. Our 100th mailbag. Oh, well, I, that's inaccurate. We, we, we haven't I mean, done that. Mailbag number 100. Like the first episode we didn't have mail. <laughs> yes, you did. Said, Dear Floppers, I haven't heard your podcast yet because it doesn't exist yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. I'm sure it'll be great, and Dan will be the best. Love, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> accurate. So, uh, before we get to that, though, I just want to recognize a couple of donations uh, from Daniel G., and a very generous donation from Colin M. So thank you uh, both for that. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate your support. It's listeners like you mm-hmm. that keep Flophouse on the air. Yeah. And when can they expect their Flophouse tote bag? Uh, well, I have to knit it first. So. <laughs> really, a knitted tote bag? <laughs> It'll be a few years. Seems like a weird tote, but keep your eye on the keep your eye on the mill. Okay, on the mill. <laughs> keep your eye on the mill. What in case they're making pepper or, <laughs> or paper? Keep your eye on the mill on the floss. Anyway, this is uh, a letter titled, Honey, Where's My Super Suit? From a uh, friend of the flap house, Kurt Holman. He, he says that we can use all of his name. Okay. okay. His first name is Friend of the Flop House? Mm-hmm. His first name is Friend. And then his middle name is of the flop house, Kurt. And oh, his I last see. name is Holman. But uh, Friend OTFK Holman. He says, uh, Dear Dan, Stewart, Elliot, and Housecat, congratulations in advance for your impending 100th episode. After 100 episodes, I think you can reward yourself with the likes of The Great Bikini Off-Road Adventure or at least a good bad movie. Well, we did. Yeah, we did. Thanks. Uh, or did he mean after 100 episodes? So after this 100th episode, we could reward ourselves with yeah, The Great Bikini Yeah, we're all going to watch The Great Bikini Off-Road Adventure. Because... Uh, I know you like to watch it alone. We could devote a couple episodes to that, to be honest with you. I mean, I could watch it with you guys if you guys don't look at me while we're watching (laughs) it. And it ruins the illusion. It ruins the illusion that I'm there with the Bikini Girls on the off-road adventure. Shoulder Uh, to shoulder with Willie Tall Salt. Shaman. (laughs) Collecting those those lost bikini tops. Boob connoisseur. I feel like that's a magazine you need to put out. Boob connoisseur. And every issue, there's a picture on the upper right hand corner of you with a pipe. <laughs> you have like a pince nez and you're examining a nipple. <laughs> uh, Only the best boobs. So he says So I listened to the X Men Orange and Wolverine podcast the other day and decided to check YouTube to see if I could find a clip of Elliot talking about adamantium on The Daily Show. In that endeavor, I was unsuccessful, but I did find no, a video. you should go to thedailyshow.com. Yeah, that's that's the easiest way to find Daily Show videos. Uh, all of your favorites and much more. <laughs> dailyshow.com. Thanks for writing. Oh, wait, no, there's more in this uh, email. He oh, says, uh, that? I, I did find a video called Kalen Superman Videos Number 1, Superman vs. Humanities Professor. 
Oh, yeah. Which featured Dan in the famed tights and cape as the Man of Steel getting a stern talking to from Elliot as a Tweety professor. That clip, in turn, directed me to two additional clips that put Elliot himself in the super suit. Now, unless I miss something, these Superman impersonations have never come up on an episode of the Flophouse, which puzzles me, given uh, how much you guys in Flophouse Nation at large loves nerdy subject matter like superheroes. I hope I'm not causing any awkwardness bringing up a youthful indiscretion, which you'd rather uh, be kept on the down low. Deal. <laughs> it also makes me wonder just what Elliot has against Superman. Is Elliot a contributor to Marvel Comics, taking a swipe at the central character of the distinguished competition? Or have we finally seen how Elliot's long-rumored racism manifests itself through the ridicule of a Kryptonian American? Whoa. On a lighter note, I enjoyed Elliot's take on my favorite bad movie, Zardots, on the Conan episode, and it occurred to me that you guys Thank could you. frame one of your ill-defined Flophouse contests around it. Simply challenge your audience to re-edit a trailer of Zardots, replacing the original <laughs> audio with the Elliot as Sean Connery remarks. It could be a way to appeal to bad movie and comedy fans who aren't listening to the Flophouse already. Are there any? <laughs> Uh, hey, so, yeah, I'd, that's a great idea. Yeah, I'd be up for anybody doing that. I think that's a really good idea. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, our contests are so poorly run that I don't – I hesitate to make it one of those. Well, but we could I, do it in other contest winner chooses the movie we Yeah, watch. yeah, sure. Uh, I would love to see that. Uh, Ali, do you want to address the matter of the Superman uh, Sure, videos? those Superman videos, there were actually four of them, but one of them was taken down because it, because, uh, it infringed on Warner's music copyright. Uh, that was the one. Superman, that was the one. Superman versus Man and Superman, in which Superman goes back in time to kill George Bernard Shaw, uh, and Superman was played by Brock Mahan in that one. I used to host a a stage comedy show called the Primetime Kalen, which of course was came after the New Kalen show, which came after the Midnight Kalen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Dan – All for, capitalizing on the fame of the Kalen name. <laughs> you know, the Kalen brand name really packed him in for those midnight shows. Uh, Dan was a contributor to the primetime Kalen, and when Superman Returns came out, we decided to do a Superman-themed show, and we shot four videos using the same Superman costume, which, strangely enough, fit me, Dan, and our friend Brock pretty well, all yeah. three of us. Even though we have also completely different body types, the yeah. three of us. And each of those, the four of them were Superman versus Humanities Professor, Superman versus Man and Superman, Superman versus Metropolis, which was a which is a trial in which Superman is being brought for, up against public urination charges. And I forgot what the other one was. Uh, the, there's a the communist one. Oh, that's right. Superman versus the Russian Superman in, in a drinking contest yeah. to decide where, uh, who will get Cuba. That's right. Did different people shoot or produce them? Like I feel like there was like – Well, different. each one was written by a different person. Yeah, and I remember that. And they were shot by different people too. Because yeah. I wrote the humanities one. Like I, I – I, the uh, – there's a, there's a wild difference in the production quality uh, across the across the difference. Yeah, and the and the Superman communist Superman one was not shot by anybody. That was literally a camera on a tripod, and <laughs> there were only two actors in it: me and Eric Marsizak. And we took turns holding the camera when we weren't on screen, and when we were both on screen, we just had the camera on a tripod, and we shot. I think that's movie, like movie magic here, folks. Mm-hmm. It's like a five minute video that probably took about an hour altogether to put together, but it came, it came out pretty well. But like we. Very quickly drank a lot of water to simulate vodka and got very logy, both of us, and then I had to rush home and edit it. So that was a very quick turnaround, that one. But uh, it was for this Superman-themed show, and those those shows, of course, have kind of disappeared from anywhere. But the YouTube videos remain as mm-hmm. a – A vestigial tale. Exactly. Your, uh... Much like if you look up – there are a series of three videos called Ghost Hunters that star me, Dan, and 
Eric Marsizak. Uh, the and stupidest videos you can imagine. <laughs> in which we hunt for ghosts. So look up Ghost Hunters. Uh, yeah, if you want to. Grant's Tomb, you want to Yeti, and comedy Jersey cred, Devil. Cred. There's well, some good jokes in those. There's some good jokes in those. They're, just, <laughs> they're, you know, they're a younger version of us. And there's another totally unrelated video that may be on YouTube, I'm not sure, called The Death of R2-D2 that is worth finding also. Mm-hmm. Where R2-D2 comes down with robo-cancer. Robot cancer. Okay. And uh, we show him, We decide to show him the best weekend of his life. So nerd stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you have to say about that, Stuart? Wait, wait, what? That we're talking about nerd stuff or <laughs> Superman? I don't know. I just wanted to bring you in. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I was always uh, I was an occasional audience member and fan of you guys' early stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of like what you're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wink. <laughs> well, uh, this one is called Further Injustices Adjusted, and it's from, on some, it's from someone called The Regestinator. Okay, as long as it's not another fucking sports email from your fucking brother. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Hey, guys. This is not Elliot's brother, but you said something about the Yankees that I need to correct. <laughs> the other day, I was listening to your latest cast. It's a regular part of my routine here in China. Did cast have an apostrophe in front of it? Well, he's he's he's, uh, he's assuming, writing from yeah. China, so give the guy a break. I mean, maybe he's a maybe he's a, an American in in China. I don't sure, know. Sure, but but uh, let's just assume it's not his native language, and uh, you give him a fucking break on the apostrophe. You're about to right? say, let's assume it's not a Native American. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a regular part of my routine here in China, and a soothing alternative to uh, the grating, swinging tones of my language learning cast. I guess he is American. <laughs> yes. Wow, that was kind of racist, what he just said about that. Uh, it, was, it would be a, a bit of a stretch to say that it has helped me through some tough times, but it has certainly diverted. Anyway, I was brought up short when some pedantic <laughs> listener drew like, it. Look, don't, don't feel like you've done me too many favors. <laughs> You're all right. Yeah. You're no seven, seven out of ten. <laughs> Uh, I was brought up short when some pedantic listener drew attention to Dan's secret public shame, that is to say his charming northwestern U.S. accent, by some quirk of file arranging. The next podcast on the list was Flophouse number 12, Awake, probably Elliot's first as an official flopper, and also the first time Dan was publicly ridiculed for a vocal deformity. So many of your countrymen bear in silence and speech. By vocal deformity, does he mean the Siamese twin inside your throat? Yep. It's a quadro-like figure. Yeah. (laughs) Elliot. (laughs) That comes out at night and murders people. (laughs) Elliot, perhaps smarting from a Hodgmanian ribbing of his own, delightedly expanded on Dan's disability for some time. Is it Pinhead or Pinhead, cackled (laughs) Kalen? Lohan or Lohan, you ill-bred Idahoan? I don't remember saying that. My point is, give the poor slob a break. (laughs) He served his debt to Anglophone society. Your pal, the Readjustinator. Man, Dan, you're you're getting better at disguising the emails you send yourself, fellow. <laughs> you're right, Dan. I shouldn't make fun of the way you say things. Starting now, I will only make fun of other things about you. All right, fair enough. There are uh, there are some rich veins. I have plenty of personality flaws without you know getting into stuff that I you're can't really control. You smile a lot. Is this like a fucking thing? Is this a, <laughs> got like this, a trick? He's got a smile on his face that makes me think he's going to press a button. We're going to fall <laughs> down like, two trap doors. Just like you guys. 100 episodes. 100 yeah, yeah episodes. We, we, we talked about that already. He's dude. gone pod mad. <laughs> uh, this one is titled Correction. Oh, okay. Is was, this a Jonathan Franzen email? Uh, the corrections. Uh, it appears to be no, from Brian. Like a, last name with it. It's like a like a book. Yeah, I get it. Oprah Book Club. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I was thoroughly enjoying your 88th episode on the movie Priest with Paul Bettany, and I felt the irresistible need to be an inseparable know-it-all. Please point to Elliot as it, if he is in the room. This guy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> good crowd work. That was good. Good pointing, Dan. My correction is to note that the law of gravitation was not violated or ignored when Paul Bettany's character jumps off the rocks in midair. Newton's third law of motion... Uh, this, 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 this sentence doesn't make any sense. Wow, wow. He proved you wrong about something, and you've well, got to make him feel bad. He says, uh, was, oh, wait, no, I got it. The law so, of gravitation. Okay, I have a new thing to make fun of you about. All right, if you, if you would <laughs> shut up, I could uh Just that you're this. too dumb to read a letter. It's an interesting uh, use of syntax. My, okay. my correction is to note that the law of gravitation was not violated or ignored when Paul Bettany's character jumps off the rocks in midair. Newton's third law of motion was, period. It is technically possible, though incredibly improbable, for the priest to perform this feat, though the rock should have shot downwards, away from his foot, and probably deep into the ground, or been pulverized, or both. Brian, last name withheld. So, uh, so there you go. So we should give this movie another look-see, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't see that one. It's probably so. a good, good movie now. Yeah. Usually that's the way it works. Mm-hmm. If we fuck up, <laughs> it turns out the it movie was great. A good, good, good movie. Yeah. <laughs> the, unfortunately, they get an automatic good, good. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's our mistake. We need to put that on the DVD uh, cover. Yeah, <laughs> a good good, good, good movie. The Flophouse. Uh, so thank that's going to improve uh, video rentals from whatever video chain. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul Bettany was very angry at us. When I yeah? understand. He seems like a, a pretty chill guy, except for all the, the... He takes a lot of action movie roles. Yeah. Well, that's how he gets out his aggression. Okay. So this last uh, email is from John Lasting. The last Hell. email of our 100th episode? Uh, Elliot's gently placing his hand on my hand as if to console me. Yeah. It's okay, Dan. They're there. Yeah, no, I understand. They're there. Stuart touches other hand. Okay, that's okay. Now it's on the table. Right, now both okay. of them are there. There, patting my hand. Say there, there, Stuart. There, there, dude. there, there. This this does actually make me feel better. There, there. Okay, All now right. take your hand away. Okay. Now put it back on there again. Okay. Okay, now take your hand away again. Okay, now just me. Okay, now just you. Okay, now rub your hand against his hand. Just the Wait, back. What, what are we doing? Rub again? the back of your hand against the back <laughs> of his hand. <laughs> starting to feel a little weird. <laughs> So this last email uh, is from John Last Name Withheld, and it's a short email. It says, I hereby commission Elliot to write a prequel to End Time featuring seven pounds that <laughs> posits a world where time is weight. Okay, interesting. I like this idea. I mean, a commission implies I'm going to get paid for this, but... Uh, there are no financial details, so I can't help you there. I guess we'll have to work those out. But I like the idea that seven pounds caused End Time to take place. Probably some. Uh, he probably broke the uh, time space. We're, we're still talking about the villain character we invented, and not the movie Seven Pounds. Oh wait, is it the movie? I assume we're talking about the villain Seven Pounds. Yeah, who, who commits seven, seven pounds related crimes? <laughs> okay, just just clarifying for listeners who have yeah. not heard. The oh seven right, pounds for anyone who's, who is not who yeah, didn't listen to Seven Pounds, for anyone who just joined us because of the longevity uh, rule that they had employed as uh, per the beginning of the podcast, Seven Pounds is a Batman villain who commits seven pounds related crimes. It's pretty much what does he sound like, Stuart? Uh I don't I'm not the one doing the voice. Dan, what does he sound like? Seven pounds. <laughs> yeah, kind of crypt keepery. Yeah, basically the crypt keeper. Mm-hmm. Like he might steal a seven pound diamond or uh he might Se- just see, st- steal like seven pounds from like an English guy back so, when they weren't on the Euro. Yeah or seven Paula mm-hmm. Pound stones. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, seven Ezra Pound books. Well, if it, like a seven pound baby, he'd kidnap him. Mm-hmm. It was like the heir to the seven pounds fortune. Yes. Uh, he would take the pound key off seven phones. And I think Batman would probably know uh, who was the culprit. Who? Mm-hmm. Someone stole 28 quarter pounders. <laughs> who could it be? Of he course. Might, you know, he might drop a seven pound like, uh, like a sandbag on Batman in the back of a theater. Yeah. Foil, I mean, that might, it uh, probably won't hurt him but it depends on how like high that it's being dropped from okay like from the top of the gotham state building or whatever <laughs> yeah gotham state building yeah backstage <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh so uh yeah, so, yeah, yeah right, you get to work you on that you got some plans I'll you got, see some, you got some, some typing cooking in there i in mean the, i do have a idea box i do have a paying day job but i will quit it so i could do this <laughs> Uh, so guys, now we're to the last segment of our regular uh, show. And our hundredth episode. Uh, recommendations. A movie that you saw our perhaps recently. recommendation. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I probably got like, well, 300th recommendation. There's three of us, except for often we recommend multiple things. And sometimes we don't do recommendations because yeah. the show's oh, running God, long. God, man. We are not running a tight ship at all. No, hey, we don't edit it. That's you. Yeah. High five, Stuart. Making Dan do extra work. <laughs> So, uh, if anyone has a recommendation they want to jump in with. Elliot's all ready for it. Well, I'll recommend a movie. I'll, the movie I want to recommend is an English uh, – I guess it's not an English action movie so much as it's an American action movie that was directed by an Englishman and starred uh, a lot of English people. From the 1960s, a movie called Dark of the Sun, which stars Rod Taylor and Jim Brown as two mercenaries who have to go into an African nation that's currently experiencing a civil war guerrilla uprising to save the staff and diamonds of a diamond company. And so they need to get through basically a brutal civil war, get a a bunch of people onto a train and a satchel full of diamonds and take it back. And it is, for the most part, nonstop action, and especially for a movie from the mid-60s, it is super violent. And the body count in it is what you would expect from an 80s movie. Just like they shoot tons and tons of people. There's a scene where Rod Taylor fights a German wielding a chainsaw. Uh, There's a lot of crazy stuff in it. Uh, And it's a good action suspense movie that's surprisingly brutal for the time it was made. So I'd recommend that. Dark of the Sun. Uh, I'd like to – what I'll recommend just came to me. Uh, Last night I hosted a bad movie screening, which I do from time to time. You I don't just, recommend that. I don't just. He's recommending going to Dan's apartment <laughs> and making him show a bad it movie. It is a pretty great experience. But I, I just want to say I don't just talk the talk when it comes to bad movies. I walk the walk. I uh, <laughs> I enjoy screening them for uh, yeah, non-flop house <laughs> reasons. Okay, keep going. Uh, and I screen the what movie. What Dan's saying is it's a sickness. <laughs> Birdemic Shock and Terror, uh, which is a movie that has gotten a lot of cult attention as a bad movie. I feel like it's the next The Room Sort of, uh, and, or and just as the room was the next Troll Two, uh, which what was, was Troll the Two next, the next of uh, Plan Nine? Plan Nine. What was Plan Nine the next of? Uh, I think that irony hadn't been invented then. Oh so. yeah, maybe. Uh, People but only enjoyed things for their when they merits. Were good. Oh yeah. okay. Uh, but uh, Birdemic is a pretty amazing movie. It's a movie about. Um, hey, you ever seen the movie The Birds? <laughs> yeah, that's it's Birdemic. That. <laughs> <laughs> Except for. Except for there's 40 minutes of uh, driving around and a guy, like, making a million-dollar deal at his nondescript tech company. 
and uh, talking also, about that. And, and he gets solar cells put on his house. Yeah, and he goes on <laughs> dates with a girl that he just met in front of various green screens. And then with no uh, foreshadowing at all, all of a sudden a bunch of birds show up and start dive-bombing things. And After Effects explosions start appearing on things. And are these real birds? No, these are, these are looped animations of birds that are just sort of hovering in the air. They're flapping their wings, but the... You know, like the only bird that can actually hover in the air is the hum- hummingbird. And these are not hummingbirds. These are like big hawks. Ornithologist over here. <laughs> just yeah, Mr. Bird's over here. Flapping. Birdman of Dan Catraz. Uh And this movie has a weird um, sort of uh, green message. It is a pro-environmental message. And it's the sort of uh, thing that's like, you, you know, you're not, you're not helping the cause by making birdemic and putting that on but the Let world. me ask you this. The, the female star of the movie, do you see her in her underpants? You do see her in her underpants. Okay. In a sort of a thong uh, pant, panty, and she is uh, certainly very attractive. She's one of the few people in the movie that I felt like could possibly be a passable actress, too, if she was in a better movie. Sure. If she's going to be in her panties, I mean. <laughs> underpants. I mean, I'd like to point out Under that panties. Uh, Mr. Elliot asked a leading question that brought us to the panties. <laughs> It wasn't me bringing up panties. I knew you wanted to talk once. about it. <laughs> so he was chomping at the bit over here, um, champing. Uh, so champion of the bit. I'm, I'm going to recommend a movie I saw recently. Uh, was actually an Academy Award nominee a few years ago, and that's uh, Winter's Bone. A Winter's Bone. Winter's Bone uh, with what's her name, Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence, yeah, yeah. So and John you, Hawks. And John Hawks, who's great. Uh, and if you want to see a movie with tons of chicks wearing like hunting jackets <laughs> and sweaters with animals and shit on them, <laughs> so this is the movie for you. Is that the IMDb keyword <laughs> yeah. that you put in for it? Chicks wearing hunting jackets. Uh, yeah, so if you're really into hunting jacket chicks, <laughs> check just, out Winter's Bone. They're just not Bone. making enough movies for me. A guy who likes chicks and hunting jackets yeah, and animal sweaters. About or? Yes. Does it have a plot? Or uh, it? Yeah, it's about a woman stuck in a man's world. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's I mean, that also, like, 9 to 5 could be described that way. <laughs> Thematically, yes. Alien 3 could be described that way. <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's some jokes. There's, <laughs> there's a fair amount of tension. You were going out of your way not to say what this. Was. Did you watch this movie? <laughs> Did you watch it in mute? <laughs> I didn't want to fast forward to it. I was hoping to see some a chicken panties. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's it's about it's about a young girl who it's about a young girl who has to raise her younger brother and sister, um, and at the same time find her father. Because her father needs to, what is it, is up for bail, or he's jumped he, his bail. You know, he jumped bail, and as collateral for the bail, he put their house. So, so she, she needs to find him. Yeah, she to has to track it down. And they find a way to take a, I guess, a modern setting and still make it feel almost like a Western of this young woman having to track her father down through these increasingly it, creepy parts of their town. And to do a noir story that's not set in a city, but in a rural location. Yeah. So it's pretty great. It's really good, good recommendation. There's a lot of chicks in hunting jackets. <laughs> and what, kind, what kind of sweaters did you say? They yeah, had? one of them sweaters one of them skins on them. <laughs> one of them skins a squirrel at one point. So hey, you got that. Yeah, yeah. Don't give away all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, save some for the uh, ticket buyers. <laughs> so, so, guys, 100 episodes. 100 laughs. We did it. 100 episodes, 100 laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> AFI's Flophouse. <laughs> so, uh, 
So, so do one uh, of the, one like 200 more, right? One of the next 100 yeah. have in store we're all a couple for of gray us. Balls over well, here. something tells me we're going to be watching Marmaduke eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and if, Bucky Larson. If, and Bucky Larson and maybe Smurfs 3, <laughs> if, any, if our fans have anything to say about it. All right. Well, until we uh, watch all those movies, I suppose I should sign off and say that for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. And I am still Elliot Kalen. Goodbye. I think it's pretty amazing that we haven't had to watch a single one of the uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. Had, nobody makes us do this. That, that we haven't been forced into watching it. <laughs> It uh, was really tender. I cooked it for like seven hours. It's just like, it hits your mouth and just melts. Uh, it's so it's juicy. Yeah, it's actually a brisket that's sculpted out of ice. Ice brisket.